Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Another manager has been sacked in the Premier League. Martin Boyle cashes in and moves to Saudi Arabia while the cum dog millionaire Jason Cummings joins the A-League and that sparks the discussion of the best off-field stories from the lads. You don't want to miss that one. Matildas win 18-0 and they're still being criticised. Why? And just like Comoros in the African Cup of Nations, we swap goalkeepers for strikers. I've got Michael Bridges, Lloyd Owusu and Scott McDonald joining me for this one. You don't want to miss this Gagenpod. What's happening, football fans? Welcome to a very special edition of the Gagan Pod because we're going all out attack. I've dropped my goalkeepers here. No Mark Schwarzer, no Tommy Sorensen. I've brought forwards in to replace them because we need goals, goals, goals. Before I get to my special guest, I'm going to welcome back Michael Bridges, who's back from his UK adventure. Bridgie, how are you feeling? Absolutely brilliant, Claude. Thankfully, I haven't got any jet lag this morning after the last two days. Had a cracking time in the UK seeing family and friends. Plenty of live football as well, and the action was incredible. But great to be back on the podcast. I'm looking forward to the highlight show as well. And more importantly, the Strikers Union is back. I cannot <laughs> wait. No goalkeepers in sight. Love it, mate. What an episode this will be. You know, be. such a fitting morning for us to do that as well, Bridgie, because in the African Cup of Nations this morning, Comoros took on the host Cameroon, and they were so unlucky to lose. They've had a dream run so far in the tournament, and they had to play this morning with an outfield player. Their left back played as a goalkeeper. He's about five foot eight. He played in goals this morning because they had a crisis. Not only that, they got a red card after seven minutes and still pushed the hosts till the very end. They had more shots than Cameroon. They lost the game narrowly 2-1, so they put in an incredible performance. I thought it was fitting for us to do the same. Drop our goalkeepers and go with our strikers. Comoros were also known for knocking out Giants Ghana, and that will lead me on to our first special guest, Lloyd Owusu. Lloyd, thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's been a long time coming, so thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. We're going to talk all things about the African Cup of Nations and also your former club where you're a Hall of Famer, Brentford. They're in the news for a certain reason as well. That's coming up later on the show. And we've got to welcome the Celtic legend, the Dynamo, former Socceroos striker, A-League striker. Played for half the A-League in a short amount of time, Scotty Mack. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Scott McDonald. <laughs> Thanks very much, Claude. Thanks for that uh, invite in there. Um, but <laughs> more clubs than Jack Nicholas, they say. But um, yeah, this is definitely going to be a more exciting podcast without the goalkeepers, especially Swartzy. Yeah. There's no jokes coming from him. Yeah, no, exactly right. A bit, a bit dry goalkeepers, <laughs> we know that. They're a little bit dry. They have a lot more fun with forwards. Scotty, I'm glad you brought up Marky Schwarzer because I'm also happy he's not on the podcast this morning. He'd be saying to us, I told you so, because he's been saying Claudio Ranieri will not make it to the end of January. That was his prediction from the moment he took charge of Watford. Bridgie, what have you made of the sacking? Are you surprised or that, that was coming? 
I'm not surprised because of Watford's history. Mm. Um, you know, the, the amount of managers they have gone through is absolutely incredible. And Swartzy, to be fair, don't like giving him credit. Texting this morning, I said, good call, because he was adamant for the, the tactical awareness of Ranieri. Um, the lack of involvement that he had at Fulham when they were in a bit of a battle as well. Um, there was, you know, people saying he was the first one to leave the gates of the, um, of the training ground before the cones had even been picked up. And Watford should have done their research and had a chat with Fulham. Um, about that, so that's incredible. So Swartz's done his research, he's done his homework, he has called it, but um, it, I think it was in inevitable, to be honest with you, because of the history. And who they're going to go and get now, well, to be honest yeah. with you, close, I don't care. Yeah. I honestly don't care. They're going to get somebody, they'll probably be sacked before the end of the season, and I, I hope Watford go down, there you go, because <laughs> of what, they, it's just, it's, it's been a basket case. I remember yeah. Harry Kuehl was coaching there, uh, he was doing the 21s, many, many years ago, um, I can't think who the coach was, and he said there was no... Um, interaction from first to reserves um, or the 23s it was basically just listen I'm looking after the first team you look after the 23s I'll let you know who you can have and who is needed it's all about survival for the first team and for me that stinks and Lloyd mm. 15 managers since the Pozzo family took over in 2012 and as a player if you're playing at a club that's just sacking the manager rotating left right and centre what kind of vibe do you get as a footballer is it hard to motivate yourself is it hard to even connect yourself to the next manager that walks in the door because you don't know how long they're going to be there yeah definitely for me it's all about consistency and with the way Watford's gone over the over the last few years it's been inconsistent and as a player you just want someone who's always going to be there for the players and the club but the way the I mean look on the flip side then the results aren't be going, is that because of the manager or because of the players? I always say as a player, sometimes you've got to give, a, give and take because if the players just aren't good enough, obviously they're not getting results, but then also is the manager's tactical awareness and tactical uh, pronounced good enough for the team as well. So for Watford alone, like Bridgie says, good riddance in regards to obviously the way Ranieri's gone. I mean, for someone who doesn't even sort of really care, for me, he's old school. He's old school kind of guys. They need someone with a bit of vibrance, someone with a bit of love, someone who's got, someone who's going to come to the players and show them real love. And uh, hopefully they're going to bring someone young and vibrant in and someone with some good tactical awareness and hopefully they can go get up. But like Bridgie says, I think they're, gonna, I think they're doomed for the, for the championship, to be fair. Yeah, that's mm. how the saying goes. 16th time lucky, they say. Scotty McDonald, they've dropped oh. into the relegation zone now with Norwich and Newcastle both getting three points over the weekend. There's still a long time to go, but what do you think? Calling it earlier, what for done? Uh, I, I think so. I think um, with some of the players that left last year particularly, I think that core side that they had and, and brought success over the years, this isn't a new thing with Watford, is it? You know, in terms of, like you said, 15 managers uh, in the space of since they've been in charge of, of that club, the owners. Um, one thing's for certain, I think it will be a foreign manager that comes in more times than not. It has been. So I, I think that won't change. Um, but you've got to say they have had success with it also. It's not all been downturn. Um, I think probably in the last couple of years when they've had that little sort of roller coaster from being in the championship to the premiership, but they seem to still find their way back into the premiership. So with that being said, as much as it's basket case, it hasn't been all doom and gloom for them because they've been made, they've been able to bounce back every time of the asking. Um, but that when you get to the Premier League, and if you're having success, can you keep that manager? And they've been unable to do so throughout the period. Yeah, and I guess, you know, we've seen it time and time again when a new manager comes in, sometimes it just sparks something, at least for a few weeks anyway. And that could mm. be enough if you get enough points over the next month or two. That could be enough to save them yet again. Bridgie, we're going to stick with that relegation battle. Newcastle United with a much-needed 1-0 win over the weekend, and that one lifts them almost out of the relegation zone. They're one point off Norwich, but it's looking good. And now during the break, 
they've made headlines for taking a little training trip to Saudi Arabia. Thoughts on this move? Because it's been met with a lot of criticism, but Eddie Howe is adamant that it's it's a vital trip, quote-unquote, vital trip for our team unity. What have you made of it? Every team and every player needs a bit of vitamin D. And when we were players, when you heard that the club was going on a long-distance trip away from England or Scotland, as Scotty can vouch for, <laughs> you were absolutely buzzing to get away because you knew you were going to go and have a, um, some fun. You knew you were going to go and do some hard work as well. Um, but you were going to be having a bit of vitamin D in that body. And it goes a long, long way. And obviously, the Saudi consortium that have taken over want to go and showcase their product to to their country and to their people and their sponsors. And, you know, if if I'm the gaffer of Newcastle United and they're saying, oh, we've got a trip booked to go away for 10, 14 days, mate, I'm, I'm snapping their hand off and saying, yep, let's do it. We're, we are gone. So I think it's good for the for the lads that are going um, because you'll you get a lot of camaraderie on them trips. Um, it's, a, it's a good chance to, to bond and get to know each other. The downside of that or the flip side is Newcastle are trying to get signings mm-hmm. in. Um, in this January window. I don't know how that is going to impact them because Eddie Howe is going to have to be there meeting the players, meeting the agents. Um, so obviously a lot of that will be done through through Zoom, I would imagine. I mm. hope that doesn't impact them getting players in. I think as long as they show them the, how much money they're getting, I don't think it's going to be a bother if Eddie's there or not, Bridgie. <laughs> fair, 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 fair call. Fair call. And by, all about the dollar. And by the way, I don't think a holiday to Saudi Arabia is the one you're thinking either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> There'll not be any alcohol there, will there? <laughs> no. Lloyd, uh, what have you made of this? Because, you know, it, it, it has been met, like everything that happens in football, it's been met with that criticism. And I guess it's all the other clubs who don't have that cash injection call this sports washing, right? A trip to Saudi Arabia, and they've already been met almost like a Saudi Arabian national team at the airport. They were met by a lot of fans. And what do you make of this? They are an English club. They are a traditional club. Are you? Is this just modern football and you've got to accept it? Or do you feel a little bit hard done by someone who's travelled through the English leagues and played... With the heart and soul of that football does this just feel all odd to you not really i mean like first and foremost newcastle it's a massive team and then bridgie can attest to that but like bridgie said as well i mean going away from your country just to get away from sort of i wouldn't say the 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 badness of what's going on for your club but to be able to get away get some sun in your back just get that team camaraderie together oh i believe it's a good thing i mean all 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 three of us would probably say in our careers that, that happened you know you get a little little break in the window for the international break and you go away for a week or so to Dubai or to Marbella or wherever just to get some extra training and just get, like you say, just get that team bonding together again and hopefully that team bonding with them going away is going to uh, yeah. progress and to get up the late uh, in the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be a good trip for the guys. I mean, I'd, I know I'd be taking it and I'd be taking the pay packet to play for Newcastle at this point as well. Uh, who do they need, Scotty, in this transfer window to take that next step? We saw Chris Wood come in, Kieran Trippier come in. They've been linked with uh, loads of world-class players as well, the likes of Eden Hazard and the rest. Who would you like to see them bring in now? Yeah, for me, I'd still like them to to bring in a, a top top centre back. I think there's quite a few teams though that would really like one. But I, I think if they were to bring, you know, one of them, that they are leaking goals, aren't they? There's there's no question. Obviously, bringing Wood in has that probably sorted them up top uh, in the short term, possibly. I think long term, probably not. I think because the amount of money they've got, that they're going to have a super squad. I think, you know, come the beginning of next season, if they can stay in the Premiership, which I think they will. Um, look, I, I think it's a case of for Eddie Howe making sure still, and, and I, I know the type of person that he is. He's a deep thinker and wants the certain type of personality in, certain type of personality, uh, someone that he can, you know, as a manager, control. Uh, I think in the past, 
it's interesting for me that he, he's, he's took this job or he's, he's been given the job because at Bournemouth, any time he's had a, a big personality or, or big players within the football club, they seem to have failed. Mm. They seem to have been out the picture very, very quickly at Bournemouth. And I think there's been a couple of players that have even mentioned that uh, when he got this job. So for, for him, it's got to be the, the right personality. Uh, they do all these checks now. It's incredible. Like if you to go into a premiership team and it's not just about the ability of the player anymore, there, there's a lot more you know, to it when they sign these footballers. Um, so look, one, it's got to be the right money. Two, it's got to be the right personality. And three, it's got to be exactly what they want. And I think it's a centre-back more than anything right now. And, and they possibly could do with, you know, just the spine of the team being stronger, you know, the whole way through. So even probably another creative midfielder as well, because you know the Newcastle fans love that. Do you want a little quiz question while we're on the topic of money? Go on. Just to give you an idea of what a millionaire is compared to a billionaire, how many million... What is a million seconds equivalent to in days? What? <laughs> there you go. That's yeah, a quiz question too for early for me, that. <laughs> 11, a million seconds is 11 and a half days, all right? What is a billion seconds? Go on. 31, 31 years. years. That, puts you in, that, that gives you an idea. I was trying to explain to my kid, and he gives us this yeah. kind of concept. He's way ahead of me. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an absolute genius, and I was kind of like, wow, Newcastle do have a lot of money. So Scotty just said there the money is spent on wood. They're not bothered. What They're trying to steal the best players from the opposition in and around them at this moment in time, and they're trying to get Tarkovsky as well in from, um, from Burnley whether they can find that release clause that was that would allow it. But um, I agree with Scotty. They need a centre-half desperately. Fans are craving it. Um, I think Lascelles went down with a calf injury as well, or a hamstring. He's done. They're missing Callum Wilson. So it's a massive couple of weeks coming up. And um, I think a player we might talk about later on, coming from Barcelona, Dembele, Newcastle are hot in his case to get him over the line because money is not an option. Yeah, Bridgie, great tactic from Newcastle. Just sign all the best players from Burnley who you're fighting for relegation for. I absolutely love it. Lloyd... Everton, are they seriously in a relegation battle here? Could we see them down in the championship next season? Very possible, very possible. Uh, again, they brought in a manager, a manager who they thought could do the business for them and unfortunately it hasn't really worked out to plan. I mean, when you look at their team on paper, I mean, I look at their team, I think, you know, they, they've got some good players mm. there. They've got some good players, but I'm hearing whispers that some of the players could be leaving in this window as well. Calvin Lewis could be going. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next coming days. Yeah, I mean, Dominic Cavalloon, they're talking a £60 million transfer potentially to Arsenal or West Ham. They already lost Lucas Digne, who then assists back against them at Goodison Park, and he gets pelted with bottles. It's just a terrible time at the moment for Everton. Scotty, such a huge club. What a disaster it would be to see them down. Yeah, it really would be. You know, one of the, the teams that's been there from the very beginning in the English Premiership, so for them to go down would be a huge shock. I don't see them going down, personally, of course, yeah. but... You know, we've said that about big teams before, but I think if they get the right manager in, the right person, I think that the whole club will get a lift from that, including the fans. It's just been a toxic environment from the beginning of the season, bringing Rafa Benitez in. I've been in a similar case when I was at, okay, it was at Millwall, but we brought Steve Lomas, ex-West Ham player, to, to the football club as a manager, and he was on a hiding to nothing. There was no chance he was going to last throughout that season. Even if he had the perfect season, there were still going to be people unhappy. And, and Rafa Benitez was in exactly the same position. It was a crazy appointment from the beginning. So hopefully they get someone in now that will stabilise the club, uh, a proper Everton man. We'll see what Ferguson does. Because, you know, he openly said he wants the job. He did a great job the last time he was caretaker. Um, and, and they just need someone in there that gets gets the fans and gets the club. And I think then that can have the, the lift that they need as a, as a football club and the players will respond. 
Yeah, Scotty, I've got to, I've got to say that I think you know Ferguson's next two games are massive, massive for Everton's survival. They've got Newcastle United and they've got Leeds United, and in a relegation battle, you know, I've been relegated from the Premier League myself. You've got to beat the teams in and around you at the bottom. Newcastle um, have given themselves a little bit of light after beating Leeds United, and Leeds had a great few weeks when they had three wins back to back. So that was that was incredible. So the, the next two games for Everton are vital, and if they lose them. They're in serious trouble, especially if they're going to lose players as well. Scotty, I, I sympathise with you. I've seen Green Street hooligans, mate, so I, I, I can understand that would have been a tricky situation. Lloyd, Lloyd uh, what do you think of Wayne Rooney? He's been linked to the club, and he's done a pretty good job with Derby County considering the points deduction. I feel like he's still got to see that job through, but he's a real Everton man, right? Club legend, played there twice throughout his career. Would he be a solution to this issue? Solution, I'm not 100% sure. I still feel like he needs to do his, his real graft. You know, he's doing well in the championship. And like you say, with the point deduction that they had, was it 25 points originally in the end? Mm. Got taken off and now look at them, they're sort of getting their way back up to up the division. But look, it's one of them ones though. A guy like him, if he did come in, he'll give the whole place a full stop. I mean, he like you say, he's Mr. Everton from day dot, from a 16-year-old kid when he made his debut against Arsenal. So it's, if, he came in, if he came through the doors, the club will be like, wow, this is Wayne Rooney. And I think even the players then, just like just like what Steve, what's happened with Stevie Gerrard when he's gone to Aston Villa, the players have seen him and they're just like, whoa, it just, it just gives you an automatic lift. Mm. Yeah, massive aura. I mean, he's, he's, you know I mean, great one of the English greatest ever players over the years. So I believe if he does come in, he could do a job, but I still feel like he needs to do his real graft still, finish off, his, finish off what he needs to do at Derby and then the following season say, you know what, I'm ready for a nice premiership job. Do you know what it is? I've got to give him massive credit because I, when I first saw he got the, his first job out of Derby County after Frank Lampard had been there and others, and the situation they were in, I thought he would have thrown the towel in and just gone, you know, enough's enough because they were short of players, all this stuff going off the field. He had a little bit of a family um, issue in the press back home as well that was going on. And you know what it is? He handled it unbelievable. And the way that they, they've bounced back and the, the, the players have performed... Um, I, I find it incredible. So um, I think he is earning his, his stripes. Um, I agree with Lloydie. I think he can. He needs a, a good one. Is the Everton job for him? I don't think it is. Um, that would be. I think it would be a waste to go there now at this current time. I think uh, Scotty nailed it. Ferguson, Duncan Ferguson. He, we saw what he was all about last time he took charge. The fans want to see that passion. And if you if you're not going to run the yards, Duncan Ferguson will put you through the brick wall, mate. He'll, he'll knock them out. <laughs> Absolutely love it. We need more characters like that. Let's go from the relegation battle to the top of the Premier League. Man City, a lot of people were pretty quick to call it. Title race over. Now, it was a small speed bump on the weekend. Another slip up to Southampton, their second of the season. Scotty, are you still calling this title race over? Or do you think Liverpool particularly are in with a shot? I think you're always in with, with a shot, Claude, to the end. Um, particularly when you've still got to play a lot of the, the top four teams. Um, mm -hmm. But it's Man City's to lose, isn't it? You know, and, and the performances that they have been putting in and, and the way they've been playing, it's been almost impossible to see them dropping points up until this week. Um, but yeah, Southampton seem to be one of those teams that, that, that are their bogey team. Um, and they were excellent on the weekend. It was a great game to watch, great entertainment game. And, and Pep turned away after the game and said it was the best they've played all season. So uh, interestingly... <laughs> He loves it. The manager mind games. Lloyd, you seem not too impressed with, with that. What do you think it's over for City? I, I get the I get the vibe for you that, that you feel that they're just a level above everyone else. I mean, they, I mean, I'm actually a Liverpool supporter myself, so obviously I need Liverpool to start getting some points back on the table. But <laughs> I mean, at first, I must admit, two weeks ago I said to all my even my mates here, I was like, you know what, Man City have gone. But like Scotty said, now it's, it's not over till the fat lady sings. 
And I believe we've got a game in hand, still got to play them. So the deficit could get back down to, to three, five points in the next couple of weeks, you know. So hopefully with the big guns coming back from the African nations, with Mane and Salah coming back, uh, we can be we can be on course as well. But I just hope that uh, Man City start dropping some points. But like like Scotty says, they're they're a top team, and top teams when you're in that kind of form, you don't you don't really drop points. You know what I mean? So fingers crossed, we can catch them. But it's like Scotty says, it's uh, cities to lose. Lloydy, I'm disappointed, pal. That was your moment. He, Scotty's giving you a window of opportunity to give Brentford a plug. You're the Hall of Famer there. <laughs> City are going to lose points in their next game. They've got Brentford, mate. Brentford at home. Yeah, but look, Brentford are doing well. Obviously, I guess we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I always want Brentford to win games as well. But Man City are just a, a class above the rest, especially if they're playing the, the, the so-called lower teams as well. They just, they've destroyed so many teams this season. So it'll be a tough game for Brentford to come then anyway. Yeah, rarely they drop points two weeks in a row. City, every time they've been top at Christmas, they go on to win the Premier League title. But you never know, there's always time for a first. Credit to Liverpool as well. Without their superstars, I think they've done really well. Some professional performances. A little bit of help from VAR here and there as well, as we saw on the weekend. Bridgie, let's talk about Tottenham, shall we? Um, why can't they ever beat Chelsea? Sorry, close my microphone. What were you saying there? Sorry. <laughs> I missed what, you. What's going on? What's going on? Antonio Conte, look, he's had, a, he's had a great impact on the squad. It just seems like every time he comes up against Chelsea, that's the trouble. That's been the trouble for Tottenham for quite that's, some that's years. four times this season now that they've been beat by Chelsea. The last time that happened, mm. 2002, guess who it was? Chelsea. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, it's, so it... Tottenham just do not seem to be able to have the, the metal over, over Chelsea. And I've got, I've got to say... Claude, it's your team. I still fancy Chelsea to put in performances and I want them to have a good title race with Man City and with Liverpool. I do like the way they're playing. And Tottenham under Conte, I've got to say, I'm blown away by what he has done. This is just a little blip on the radar. Chelsea mm. Chelsea looked more dominant. They had more opportunities. And um, just in the final third, we were we were lacking Spurs, somebody that could unlock a door. Like a, like a Christian Eriksen that was talking about coming back to football in the Premier League. Just somebody like, like that player. Um, we had the pace. Bergwijn's been fantastic, but we can't. He can't do it single-handedly. Um, and I just think tactically, Chelsea, Chelsea dominated, mate. Well, Bridgie, four games in hand compared to Chelsea. I know they never won, but if Tottenham were to win all their games in hand, they'd still be above Chelsea on the ladder. So they've got to be pretty happy with where they are at the moment. You fancy them for a top four finish? Um, I, oh, I hope so. The next couple of matches, um, you know, I think they're they're capable of winning that. We've got it's Southampton. And then the next one after that is Wolves, and then it's Manchester City. So I, I, I'm I'm hoping so because, like I say, what Conte has done, the wins, the draws, they've been coming, look so much more organised. And the players actually, I thought that we had a spell against Chelsea for 15, 20 minutes. Tottenham were first to the ball. Uh, everything was happening. They were in the challenges, and as the game went on, just seemed to really, really fade with the energy levels. But I've seen that lift. I didn't see that under Nuno Espirito Santo. The players weren't willing to run and do the yards. So that, that's a huge tick for me. And uh, that top four is still in sight, no doubt about it. But the, the amount of games that come thick and fast, can players and COVID stay away from the club, we, we'll have a chance. Mm. Scotty, the top four race looks better than ever now. All within two points, you've got Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United and West Ham. Who's your favourite to snag that fourth spot? Yeah, I'd kind of like to see Manchester United there as well. I know Bridgie doesn't, but um, yeah, they're really <laughs> struggling. But um, look, I, I think you know Arsenal will still come again, even though it was a poor result for them on, on the weekend. Um West Ham, I don't discount them as well. I, I really like watching West Ham play. I, I love what David Moyes has done there over the last 18 months. Um, if they can recruit and bring in the players that, that they need in this window, then uh, I think they're a, a big, big chance. You know, if they were to get 
another player we just talked about at Everton, Calvert-Lewin, who they're in competition with, with another top four team, then I, I think that could really see them, you know, try and get over the line as well. Tottenham, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, I know they've had a good run. Depends if Conte keeps happy or not. It, from from yeah. one week to the next, I don't know if he's if he's going to be there. You know, it's kind of like he seems frustrated all the time. Um, he wants more players in, doesn't he? You know, he always wants more. Um, and it's whether or not that Daniel Levy and, and Tottenham can keep him happy and keep him at the club. Every manager has wanted more Tottenham Hotspur yeah. and nobody has been given it. And that's my point. So, you know, and, and with that question... Does he stay long term? You know, because I think he's a great appointment. Um, they need him there long term because he's brought success anywhere he's been. So they they need to back him. He's that type of manager, isn't he? And he always, he, I remember in the Italian Serie A, same thing. He always says, you know, if you ask me to eat at a hundred euro restaurant with 10 euros in my wallet, that's that was his famous quote at Inter. He wants more money. He needs to buy more of a squad. Lloyd, who do Tottenham need? It seems like they've got a squad actually stacked with a lot of world-class players. Where do they need to add, though? Exactly. Like you said, world-class players. I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, is Son injured at the moment, Bridgie? Yeah, and Loris has just signed the new contract as well, which is good. So you, you look you look at their squad. I mean, look. I mean, Kane's just top draw, full stop. You know, what I mean, you've got a goal scorer who can score left, right, and centre. For me, uh, maybe another midfielder, a quality midfielder, just just behind them, just to keep giving some more creativity. Uh, but other than that, like you say, Claude's their, their squad overall is is top draw. Their squad is top draw. Bridgie, we all know your affiliation with Spurs. He needs cash right now. Do you want to see Tottenham spend in January? And if he doesn't get it, do you think Antonio Conte could potentially walk at the end of the season? You're back to square one again? I think there's every chance that he would walk if he wasn't given the backing. And if you're asking me about a player I'd like to see, that man, uh, Dybala, Juve, there's big yeah. talk that he's on his way. He hasn't signed. Um, oh, man, that would be lovely. I wouldn't mind seeing that one. Well, let's go. Let's go to the transfer chat. Everyone's teased it a little bit. Dybala has been linked. Antonio Cassano, former Italian international, said, "Good friend at Dybala said he's ninety-nine point nine percent not signing that contract. Whatever that means, could be mind games. We've seen him giving it to the director's box during the game as well. He seems like he's on his way out. Been linked to Tottenham for quite a few years, and we spoke about Usman Dembele as well, who now Barcelona have said he's definitely leaving in January. He was left out of the squad on the weekend. Scotty." Where do you think these two players could potentially fit in the Premier League? Uh, top four teams. You know, I'm, look, it sounds a bit weird, but Dybala going to, to Tottenham, I think he's better than that. I think he could go, I, I, you know, I, I think he could go to a bigger club in, in, in the Premier League that's that's more successful right now. I think he would fit in, no problem. He's an absolute top player. I think um, he's shone particularly since Ronaldo's left again. You know, before Ronaldo's era at Juventus, he was the main man. And then after he's gone, he, he's been that again, wore the captain's armband. Um, with Dembele, I, I, I don't see him leaving. As much as Barcelona are saying he's going to leave, I believe he'll leave on a free at the end of the season. I think he'll just dig his heels in. How can you force a player out? And yeah. it's, it's not a bad place to be uh, in limbo in Barcelona, is it? If you want to sit by the pool and in his, you know, big pad there, I don't think he's going to be too bothered. <laughs> the, the River Tyne and the Toon will <laughs> welcome him open arms. The girls will love to see him in the Toon as well. He will be getting the money from um, Newcastle United. Don't you worry about that. If there's an opportunity for Newcastle to get a free player, it doesn't matter what wages they're on, um, they, they'll have a go. So um, he, massively, massive talk about um, Newcastle putting in a huge offer wage-wise for him. What's that? When you say huge, what do you reckon, Bridgie? Well, mate, just do the maths again, lady. Like I said, a billion seconds, mate. Thirty-one years could be anything. Do you do you still think as well that obviously going on a free 
like in a player's mentality, they'll think, well, if I go on a free in six months' time, I'll get more money than, than even now in, in, in a January window. Do you still think that they think that way? I still think a lot of them do, mm. yeah, definitely. But the, you run the risk, having been so injured in my career, you run the risk of getting an injury and nobody wanting you and being left on the scrap heap. It's, it's a massive gamble, in my opinion, mm. to take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Was that as much of a thing when you boys were in your prime? Because that, that seems huge right now. Erling Haaland is in that discussion. Uh, there's a lot of players that have been said, you know, they're going to wait for this free transfer at the end of the season. You know Aaron Ramsey did it and ended up with a huge salary at Juventus because it can end up quite profitable for the player. They'd rather dodge that transfer fee. Was that as big when you guys were playing, Lloyd? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, obviously, they, Mike, Bridgie and Scotty played at a slightly high. I mean, they played at the top, top level in the UK, you know, than me. I mean, from my time, I remember when I was at Brentford, and uh, it was there was a thing called the ITV Digital had just come in, and there was quite a lot of money then. And uh, a lot of us players, I was at Brentford, six or seven of us come to the end of our contracts, knowing that the following year, if we went to the championship or if we got a move, hopefully to the Prem, you could get some big money knowing that you're going to be on the Bosman. Uh, Brentford wanted to keep a lot of us, but like you say, we've, we've, we'd been there in League One, and we thought, you know, the next chapter is obviously one better career and obviously you, you want to be financially secure so a lot of us waited until the end of the season and uh, I got a move at the end to Sheffield Wednesday uh, and obviously I'm probably triple my money that I was on at, at Brentford so a lot of players do look look that way wait till the end of the season but like Bridgie said it's that gamble whether you know what I mean you could be playing from January till May and if you get injured and then all of a sudden no club wants to sign you so it's, it's a it's a 50-50 chance you know hmm. you, you hey. never mentioned that to me because you never bought a drink in the eyes of the title <laughs> Why would I need to buy you a drink when I've got you into the club free? <laughs> I think we'll get to that. I've, I've heard about Lloyd's off-field antics, and I think there'll be, there'll be room yeah. for that in this There's podcast today. reason he got in the club, and I'll tell the story how he got in the club. Uh. <laughs> we, will, we will get to that. We will get to that. Scotty, talking about making yourself financially stable going forward, Martin Boyle trades the Scottish Premiership mm. and Hibernian for the Saudi Pro League now. It seems like he's on his way. That happened out of nowhere. There was a rumour, and then all of a sudden it was a done deal. He moves to Al Faisali for the equivalent of 2.8 million Australian a season. Is that a good move for Marty Boyle? Uh, so you've just mentioned money. Absolutely. From what, from what he would have been on at Hibernian, uh, there's no question. And look, having that that passport, that free ticket to to the Middle East for you know for obviously Martin Boyle, who was you know now plays for the national team, done exceptionally well for Australia since he's come in on the scene. Um, he was linked to Celtic as well at one point uh, within the the transfer window early on. Um, when that question was asked to me, there was only one place he was ever going to go, and that was purely from a financial perspective. He had to go. Um, three million pounds as well for for Herbernians, an unbelievable deal for a guy who's almost thirty. So I think so. I think everyone's won um, with this deal. And, and look, if it's a couple of years, he he can always come back to Scotland in the freezing cold. So I, I don't think he's going to be too bothered. But I think it's a great move for him. What that does now for for Australia though, and for Graham Arnold, I, I'm not so sure. I don't think he'll be pleased in terms of the competitive level that he'll be playing at from what he was playing uh, in the Scottish Premiership, you know, week in, week out. Yeah, I was going to say that. It is a good move. Yeah, Bridgie, it's a good move, but is it a good move for Australia, for the Socceroos? Well, I'll just go back to the Hibernian comment. The CEO, Ben Kensel, um, I've got to credit Hibernian because they could have easily blocked this move for him. Uh, I know they blocked it in the first initial bid and the second, but he came out with a statement and said, we are not going to stand in the way of a player changing the lifestyle for him and his family. 
because uh-huh. it's it's ludicrous money. He said, we've got a deal out of it that we were happy with, and he's got a lifetime change of money. So I've, I've got to credit the CEO and the football club for that to actually help him, because I've seen um, managers, if not owners, mm. block moves in the past where players could have had financial stability for the rest of their life, and they've blocked it for personal reasons, and um, I just think it, it's horrendous. So fair play to Hibernian, and um, I'll let Scotty answer your question about the rest of it, mate, because I, I just I lost where we were. <laughs> now, just whether it's a good move for the Socceroos, Scotty. I mean, we saw the same thing with Aaron Moy. He cashed in at one point where he was still playing Premier League football, was good enough to keep playing in the Premier League, but doubled his salary by moving to the Chinese Super League. And since then, he's been in and out of the Socceroos. He hasn't been fit sometimes to travel. What does this mean for our World Cup campaign? I think short term, it will be fine. I think it's probably the, the long term of it that for the player um, playing at that level. Uh, the game's not being as competitive, I feel. Um, the game's not coming as thick and fast as well to, to, to European football, British football. Uh, he'll be playing a lot less games, so that's not going to help him either. Um, there's there's all different variables when you go there, as you know. At the start, for the first, you could be playing for the first five games and all of a sudden they just don't fancy you. And then that's you. And because you've made that financial decision, you're stuck. You know, Martin, yeah, but... Martin, but- but like you say, Scotty, if it doesn't work out, and we've seen a lot of players go to these countries that hasn't worked out and they, they're cast aside, um, Hibernian got that uh, buyback clause. Yeah. So I think that's, again, another smart bit of business because they've, they've read the situation. He could be back there within six months or a year, and he's, he's coming back with a, a pocket full of cash, and he can mm. get back to playing regular football, which, Scotty, I totally agree with. It'll only enhance your international campaign because the more games and the more physical it is, the better you progress. Yeah, and we are we do have to play Saudi Arabia away still on our way to the World Cup, hopefully. So maybe that's a little tactical move from him as well. He'll go there, he'll get used to the climate, get used to the pitches, and if he bags one against Saudi Arabia, then it's a great move for the Socceroos. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Lloyd, let's talk about a club where you are a Hall of Fame inductee. Let's talk about Brentford, where you spent two spells, I believe, two, three, two. Two spells, club legend there, and they are in the news at the moment for bringing Christian Eriksen back to the Premier League. Of course, hasn't played football since that unbelievable incident at the Euros, which stole the headlines. It'd be awesome to see him back playing, and he wants to get back into the Danish squad for the World Cup. What a move this would be for Brentford. Yeah, it's going to be a massive coup. Uh, and to be fair, I just spoke to Kev O'Connor, the assistant, just this morning when I woke up, and he says it looks like it's a done deal. Uh, in regards of personals, all the personal stuff's been sorted. It's just the uh, it's just the physical now he's got to do. So hopefully, if if he passes his physical, obviously it's going to be a big a big physical with his with him having a defib in him. Uh, it's going to be a special move, and hopefully he could be that that player just to give us that little bit of a lift. Because obviously we've had a bad run over the last five or six games. You know, five six defeats and a seven, I think it is. So if we can get someone like him, get him fit, and like like Bridgie said earlier in the piece, someone who can unlock defences with, with just that killer pass for Ivan Tony and Mbema. I think that would be a special thing for Brentford. And what a story it would be to see him back playing after what we witnessed during the Euros. Because, you know, we were our very own Thomas Sorensen, who was his roommate, broke down in the studio when it when it happened. Every, we, the whole world was in shock. Mm. Um, and I know the, the rules and regulations in Serie A don't allow him to play football again. Mm. Um, and obviously him and his family feel 
that he's still got something to offer. They're willing to go through, you know, that tragedy that they went through there and um, the CV shining, shining light. So I'm, I'm hoping that he comes back and signs in the Premier League or we just get to see him play again because what a story that would be. What a collector's jersey that will be as well. I'll be trying to get my hands on that one. It'd be huge. And Lloyd, you spent time at that club. You know how, a thing or two about those fans. How will the fans take Christian Eriksen in? And is, is that a great move for him, needing that lift in his career now, having not played so much? Is Brentford a good place to go for, for that for that part of the game? Yeah, for that part of the game, yes. Uh, like I say, the fans is for Brentford. I mean, it's, that's my family club. They are just unbelievable. I'm talking like real passion. They're not the ones who just armchair fans. They're proper, proper fans who mm. are there week in and week out. Rain, hail, shine, you know what I mean? They are there all the time. So if a player of his calibre is going to come on board at the community stadium, it's going to give the place a lift. It's going to give the players a lift and the fans are just going to be buzzing. So hopefully he can come there. If, if Brentford get him fully fit, it's going to be a special signing. Eight points clear of relegation, Brentford. So they're not completely safe, but they are a great football club in a great part of town as well. So it'd be good to see Christian Eriksen in there, tearing it, pulling the strings and the set pieces that the man can take as well would be huge. Scotty Mack, I want to talk to you about a, a big transfer news that came out of the A-League yesterday. Mm. And that is Jason Cummings goes by Cumdog, <laughs> right? A, a, a Scott, a Scott Aussie who has represented Scotland twice, but in two friendly matches, so he's still eligible for Australia. What do you know about him? Yeah. And is this a good move? Well, for him? just to go on his nickname, that's his wrestling name. Just, just in case you didn't know, <laughs> that's his party. Piece, that, isn't that was uh, when they when they won the title, uh, Division One title, um, or the championship in Scotland. Um, there's a, re- a local wrestler that, that's quite popular um, within the scene, and he come in and and they had a wrestling match within the uh, the lunchroom, so to speak. So and he nick- it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah. If anybody wants it. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. brilliant. And he, he nicknamed himself the Cum Dog, and he was throwing him around the tables and chairs and everything. All right. So yes, he he has got a rep- reputation that precedes it uh, himself. However, you know if you do get him. Uh, you know, his mind, right? He, he can be an exceptional player and uh, one that can certainly make a difference in the A-League. I, I think he could he could do very, very well here. In terms of uh, from where that goes, yes, he's got an Australian passport, very similar to obviously Martin Boyle. Um, and if he was to do well, then I think then he could put himself in a position where he could get a soccer as call-up. Um, he seemed to be his career was sort of going on the down downward spiral um, within British football. He'd, he'd had a little turn. I think he went to Knott's Forest from Hibernian, uh, had a little loan move to Rangers, then went back down to, to England where he had a bit of success at Shrewsbury. Um, they had a great cup run, did very, very well in in that time and was known for his, his one-liners and his after-match after, after match conferences. So I think he'll bring a lot of entertainment uh, value as well uh, for the fans. And uh, I just can't wait till he scores a goal and, and puts his hand up um, because he's got this tattoo that has a big smiley face on it. So <laughs> he fancies himself as a bit of a joker, obviously, as we've already, as you can tell by speaking about him. But uh, a gr- wonderful left foot. Um, yeah, and, and got really good talent and an eye for goal. So hopefully if he can get his head right um, and if, if Monty can, can, get, can get him that way, which I think he will, um, he could be a valuable asset for, for the Mariners. Yeah, I spoke, yeah, speaking of Monty, I spoke to him yesterday about him, and he says that he's obviously he's here now in Australia. He said he's a top lad. To be fair, he said he's going to bring something different to the team. So uh, hopefully, with Monty's philosophy and the way that the boys have been playing, I, I hope he can do good things for them. 
As I heard Monty say that his his biggest thing is that he wants to keep him away from Lloyd Owusu when it comes to <laughs> nights out, right? He wants to just keep him focused on football. Bridgie, I'll throw it to you for your story time that you brought up before because I, I want to know who's he's been he's been labelled one of the most mental players you'll ever play with, right? In a good way. That's all his players have described him in a good way because he's so entertaining on and off the park. And we remember the double he scored against Liverpool as well in the FA Cup just two years ago. So he's got it on and off field. Bridgie, I feel like. You've got a bit of a story about our special guest today, Lloyd Owusu. Is he a similar kind of situation, just brilliant on and off the park? No, Lloyd is a legend off the park. I'm not sure about on the park, however close, but uh, <laughs> no, he is. He's a Hall of Fame at Brentford. He's a great guy. <laughs> the best thing about Lloyd, it was, um, you know, I'm, he's from the London scene. You know, I'm from the northeast of England. We're seen as, you know, the worst dressers. We don't get out much. We we don't have much street credibility. So Lloyd is obviously living in Sydney. I've, I've arrived over here and Lloyd says, Bridgie, I'll look after you. We're going to the Ivy, bro. Like, you know, I need to dress you, do this and that. Yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. Lloyd knows all the DJs. So we, we get down to the Ivy. We're queuing up there. Bridgie straight in past the dorm and Lloyd, Lloyd gets stopped sorry mate you can't come in you've got white trainers on or white runners on so I'm, I'm cracking up Lloyd has been stopped now I never leave he's been giving it the big one all night I never leave my teammates my camaraderie you know I'm, I said I'm not going in so we went round the corner I said to Lloyd I said listen man I said it's happened to me before I said all you've got to do is take off your, your black socks put them over your white runners and you'll get in the club <laughs> He's going, no, bro, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, not, not happening. I said, let's just do it. Anyway, lo and behold, we walk past the door and straight in the nightclub. Best thing about it, we get up to the top floor and I just sees the pool at the top of the ivy and I'm going, my eyes are open. You know, I'm going, this is great. Lloydy starts doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk because he's a bit, of a bit of a mover and he was celebrating getting in the nightclub. And what happened? He sliced all the bottom of the socks and he exposed his white trainers again and got evicted. <laughs> that was a nightmare. Oh, oh wow. so funny. It was a, it was a oh. great night. It was a great night, though. Yeah. That's brilliant. brilliant. He's got some moves, and if anybody saw him down at Adelaide, they'll respect his goal. And he started doing all the the break dancing moves, and the, the groundsman <laughs> was looking at the turf, going, "You've got studs on, mate. You're doing a moonwalk on my pitch. What are you doing?" Lloydie, we got to organise a night out, mate. I need to, I need to see this. I need to see this in action. <laughs> he knows. He knows everybody on the scene. He's top man. Brilliant. Maybe we can hit up uh, Jason once he's settled in. I feel like he'd be good on a night out. But guys, Scotty, who is the most mental player you've played with? <laughs> Not so much on the pitch, but off the pitch. Just those guys that are just wired differently and they're just non-stop. There's been, a, I reckon, all three of us could say there's there's quite a few different characters that some some you can probably say on this podcast, but some you can't. Um, <laughs> I think there's been a lot of stories come out about Thomas Gravison. He was completely crazy, like on pitch, yeah. like in training. Weird, like crazy, crazy guy would do some crazy stuff. Then off the pitch was the biggest sort of like introvert you've ever seen extrovert on it oh, wow. and then we would go out and he'd just have his thumb over his beer and he'd be looking everywhere nervous as hell like thinking, <laughs> so, thinking someone was going to drop something in it like he was just totally <laughs> totally different differently wired there was there was a guy that i played with uh at, at motherwell uh richie foran uh irish boy and um we'd we'd done well on the weekend uh been given a couple of days off um so Boys went here, there, and everywhere. Richie decided he didn't want to come back for over a week, though. No one knew where he was. So everyone was back in on the Tuesday, and he's not turned up till basically, you know, the following Monday. So he missed the game and everything. And everyone's going, where is he and all that, you know? Went back to Dublin and just totally 
just 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 got on it like never can never come back right and terry butcher was our our manager at the time so you know terry's a bit old school anyway and been through changing rooms particularly one at rangers where that was quite quite a thing that happened often um so he, he gave him a bit but the, the best laugh about it was that before he come in terry butcher come in with his paper and started like just swearing and everyone got look at this this is effing disgrace da 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 through the paper on the on the the physio table boys are looking at it there's richie foran winning the kick and goal in the in the local gaelic football <laughs> cup final <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he didn't come back. <laughs> but so he ended up he ended up coming back, and obviously Butch being the man he was, like sort of like team camaraderie, like had a bit of banter with him. I don't think he even find him in the end because Richie was he was he was playing really well for us. He just so he ended up playing the next game and scoring anyway. So it was like right, all's forgotten. Let's just get on with it. But he he, yeah, he used to disappear for you know long times. Uh, you know if you get if you gave people days off, it was dangerous to give him off because he wouldn't turn back up. <laughs> That is quality. We could actually do a whole podcast on it, just about players you've played with and stories, because yeah, there's there's some classics, and that that's up there with them. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. I feel like you guys, you guys still got you got a piece of the glory days of football before the world of social media has come in and yeah, absolutely yes. ruined the fun for everyone. Away, right? Wouldn't get away with it. No. Yeah. No you wouldn't get away with it. Well, let's hope uh, Jason Cummings lights up the A-League on and off the park. I wouldn't mind. I'll keep an eye out at the nightclubs for him. But uh, while we are on transfer news, actually, Scotty, we spoke a little bit about this last week, but I want to bring it back because you're here now. I want to talk about Riley McGree because he was not only linked to Celtic for quite some time. It looked like he was going to go there, but he ended up signing for Middlesbrough. Now, you've played for both these clubs. We spoke at length on the pod about whether this proves where the championship has gone compared to the top of the Scottish Prem. We're talking Celtic, who's going to play European football year in, year out. He's chosen to go to the championship, fight for Premier League promotion. Was that the same when you were a player, do you feel, or has this shown, is, is that the right move for him firstly? And has t- have times changed in regards to the Scottish Premiership? Um, well, right move for him firstly. Um, I only think time will tell on that, Claude. Um, for me, look... I played for both clubs in terms of, like you mentioned, they're playing in European football, chance to win title after title, be a legend at a club like that. Um, look, my ties are always going to have a Celtic supporter, so I would say go to Celtic. Uh, but yeah. he might have looked at it as well with the squad that Andrew's assembled uh, long-term because there's a lot of injuries at the moment that he might have been maybe just a stopgap. Um, but if I know Riley, uh, you know, playing against him and, and, and knowing his personality, he'll always back himself. So I don't think he would yeah. have questioned himself going to Celtic and going, right, I can play here every week. I just think it's a case of the financial terms were, were just too good to turn down. It looked all for money that he was going to Celtic. And then all of a sudden, at, very, at the very last minute, Middlesbrough put in a, a bigger bid, which meant you know, financial terms were even bigger. I heard it was £20,000 a week more or less he was getting, which is phenomenal money, Um, you know, probably considering what he was on at at FC Charlotte. Um, And from that, there'd probably be promises on the back of that. If we get to the premiership, that will be your money when we get there. So I I think when you look at it like that, um, look, it's very difficult for the likes of a Celtic or Rangers even to compete with the championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Without question, you know, these yeah. big clubs in, in the championship, the money that they've got at their disposal, the big carrot at the end of the season to get to the Premier League where it takes them. Um, and, and I think for Riley, I, I think he'll be a success anyway. Wherever he had went, I think he'll still do well. 
uh, and it's great to see him playing his trade in, in the English Championship and, and hopefully doing well. And now that this will bring him on to, you know, being a more regular in the uh, in the national team setup as well, because I think he's a top top yeah. player. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You, could, you just had to surf through Birmingham Twitter and see how upset those fans were that they didn't keep him, that they didn't do more to keep him. So that just shows the effect that he's had in the last six months at that club particularly. Um, I want to talk now a little bit about our Matildas who are in action. They won 4-0 last night in the Asian Cup as well. They started with 22 goals scored in their first two games. Now, it was an 18-0 win, the first one. Lloydie, firstly, you think you win 18-0, and surely there can't be any criticisms, but there still were some criticisms around it. Have you have you ever been either on the distributing or receiving end of an 18-0 or 15-0 or double digits win or loss? And, and should they have taken their foot off the pedal a little bit? Is there that respect in football or does that not exist? No, nah, I mean, I've, I've had that kind of result when I was a kid, though. But in my professional game, I mean, look, the biggest loss, I think, was 6-0 against Swansea once we lost in Bristol Rovers back in the days. But for me, no disrespect, 18-0. Like, it's, it's just not football for me. It's just not football. Surely then, if that was the case, you know when you're playing against a real weak inside, surely you give the fringe players, even their fringe players, the Matildas are going to be able to beat this team. Uh, I mean, I know that maybe goal difference makes them even better in the, in the table, but surely give the younger the younger girls who, who want some experience as well against the team who, no disrespect, what, eight, did, you, did they have any shots on target, the other team? I, mean, I didn't even see the game, but it's just like, I was like 18-0 when I woke up and saw that. It was embarrassing. Yeah, I think, look, just happy to be there. Indonesia, I think they're ranked 92nd, I believe, in the world. And, and they were taking photos with Sami Kerr after the game. It was a huge, it was a huge moment for them just to be on the same park. Bridgie, there was this criticism that came up for Gustafsson about whether they should, you should be resting players and you should be starting the younger ones. But it is a tournament. It's the first game of an Asian Cup. Like, surely you've got to play your full strength team. You had friendly matches before. This is where, where, where I, I want your opinion. Yes, you are playing a weaker squad, but imagine England went to a tournament and you're playing minnows in the first game. Do you still play a full-strength squad thinking this is a long tournament, we need to get the squad gelled? There's no doubt about it. Um, Gustav and his staff would have known how um, you know, Indonesia played and the standard of them, but you, you can't go in there with a, a lackadaisical approach because hmm. you want to get a result. And I would have yeah. done exactly the same. You play your full strength. Um, and then as the game progressed, I thought we would have seen a lot more substitutions come on and girls getting an opportunity. Um, that I, I felt I did feel for the opposition um, at that point, but I would have done exactly the same thing. So I think the criticism is out there. There's always going to be criticism because if he had a played a weekend team, the criticism would have still been there. That's what mm. we do. We generate the media. Um, I've got to give the the uh, Matildas credit though. Yesterday, the four 0 victory, playing against um, you know the old man Stajic was there up mm. in the opposition. He, he yeah. set them up in a four four two, just trying to block everything of Australia. The last ten minutes of the game. You know, the average age of the players that came on were 19.8 years of age. Mm. So, you know, we had Fowler out there. We had Vine, um, McNamara. Um, who else was there? Nevin and um, Connie Cross. Mm. Uh, it was So they've all been given an opportunity to play the 10 minutes of the match. And they yeah. went out there and actually changed the game because, you know, the Matildas were struggling. And a few of them brought an energy level that we hadn't had in the first, what, 75 minutes of that game. So there you go. The credit has got to go back to the staff now to say, well, yep, they've done it. They've put the younger ones out. That is what they are looking for the next generation. But this is tournament football, and you've got to go and win it, and you've got to play mm. your best. Mm. Scotty, 
Sam Kerr becomes Australia's top scorer of all time. Scored five goals in that game against Indonesia. Firstly, how good is, is she and how good has she become now for the Australian national teams? Both men and women is a record breaker and to be in the FIFA Best Awards as well, coming just narrowly second. But secondly, this Matilda's side, realistically, how good are they looking for this World Cup on home soil next year? And the Asian Cup is surely got to be a win or it's not a good enough result for us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, touching on Sam Kerr, she's an absolute icon of the Australian game now, absolute legend. And, and I know that there was a couple of people saying, well, shouldn't have played her against you know the Minnows of Indonesia. Hold on a minute. There's three strikers on here. If you're going for a goal record <laughs> right, at the very first opportunity of wanting to do so, you want to be on that pitch, right? Yeah. She's your she's she's your main you know player in that team as well, right? So if you don't play, what's she going to be like? You know, in terms of, is she going to be upset? Do you want to upset your your yeah. main player in terms of not playing her? So you've got all these, yeah. you know, different psychological games being played, you know, within the game itself. And being a manager, you have to think of all these things. And in terms of the way you start a tournament, you know, do you just mm. give players a, a game for the sake of it? Um, even yeah. though you've got to say that, to them, well, you've got to earn that right. <laughs> Correct. Games exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you want to bring that edge at competitive level to your team. You've got to say to them, well, you're not in my starting 11. This is my starting 11. You've got to push mm. your way in there. So you've got to create yeah. that atmosphere within the squad itself, even in the tournament basis. Yes, it is about keeping people happy and keeping you know, the whole squad happy so you have a successful uh, you know, tournament itself. Um, but you're 100% spot on. You know, they have to win this tournament. That's the expectation. Yeah. But we're quick to forget as well before this tournament, the results weren't great. You know, the, the no. games leading up to this, you know, in Australia, they never won the games. So Gustafsson's looking at that. We, we need a good result as well. With our starting 11, we need to build the confidence. We need to build into this tournament. So that's why you play that starting 11. Yes, can you make changes earlier? Maybe. Maybe not. Mm. Who knows? That's his mm. decision. Um, but Sam Kerr, absolute legend. And uh, she's pivotal to anything that Australia do. You just hope, though, in time that there isn't a heavy reliance on, on Sam. And if Sam's not playing well, do we have mm -hmm. other variables within our, you know, in our locker to go and open teams yeah. up? But she's a phenomenal, yeah. she, she's like an old fashioned striker to me. She just yeah. always in the, she sniffs it out. Right place, right time. Even in England, you know, when she's playing for Chelsea, I see, I see all her goals. They're all, you know, within the six yard box, majority of them. She's just that old fashioned centre forward. I love it though, you know, because that's an art. That's a skill in itself. We'll all appreciate that, the guys on the pod here today. You know, people say, oh, well, it's only, you know, she's always inside the box. No, no, no. You, you, you've got to read that and smell it uh, and, and be in those right positions. She does that excellently. It's one of them, Scott. You know, if you're in a five-a-side match, I wouldn't actually say I'll be taking Sam Kerr to play in my tactical mm. five-a-side little short, put on a full-field pitch. Yep. Oh, she's my number one striker, mate. I've, I've played with players like that. They're not the tactical awareness or the skill factor of what you need to be that little jinky player. You maximise the ability of what you have got. And you know, Sammy Kerr is that, is that player. I totally agree. I think she's, she's brilliant. And I love watching her for Chelsea. And she's the girl that inspired my daughter to uh, get the love of the game for football. So, you know, that's inspirational in itself. She's always on the move, isn't she? You know what I mean? She's always playing on the shoulder of the last defender. And like Scotty says in the box, she's never standing still. She's always wants mm -hmm. to get in front of that near post or just slip in behind the, the centre-half. So, like I say, that's, a, that's, a, that's the, ch the chance of a real good striker.
Lloydie, do you reckon you could? Um, do you reckon she would win a header over nah, you? Nah, Because both nah, these nah, have got nah, unbelievable nah, aerial nah, presence. Nah, no, nah, nah, come on, man. Yeah. Once Hang Time and Wusu, man, that's my nickname. Hang Time and Wusu. No one can deal. No one can deal with me in the air. You know that, Bridgie. Scotty, that's all we'd hear on the field when when the, when the goalkeeper was taking the goal kick. You knew exactly where it was going. It was going to Lloydie, and it was going on Lloydie's side of the field. And all you would hear was Wusu. You, you knew. You knew he was coming. <laughs> Lloydie, five goals in a game from Sammy. What's the most goals you've scored in the game? Uh, four on my debut for uh, Slough Town in the conference. Uh, and then obviously a couple of hat- free hat-tricks in my first season for Brentford. So, uh, he didn't ask that. He said how many goals I scored. How many goals? <laughs> in my- yeah, four, four goals. <laughs> yeah, in the com- as, as an 18-year-old. And conference, back in them days, back in 1996, mate, that was a tough old league. So yeah, I made on my debut four goals against uh, Telford. Huge. Bridgie, most goals in a game? Um, three. Uh, hat-trick against Southampton um, I, I've got to say though you, you, I look back I was chatting with one of my um, mates that so a guy called Simon Foster who actually was injured in the game for the club I was playing for for my school team he was a goal scoring machine uh, and he was injured and I got spotted in that game and I went to meet him in London and catch up with him to have a good chatter about the good old days and we're laughing I remember he scored 35 goals in one game as a kid so there you go <laughs> he was he was a freak and he, he was laughing at me because he pulled up in his Lamborghini he's living in the middle of Mayfair he's now in he does stock exchange and um, high rollers for banks and he, he actually shook my hand and said thank god I was injured that day because I wouldn't have had this if I'd been a footballer <laughs> These guys, guys loaded. Wow! So it's just wow. amazing to see two different career paths go the opposite way. You know, a bit like a bit like your boy Thomas Gravison, Scotty, because apparently he went to yeah. Las Vegas and became a millionaire after his career, right? Yeah, he's a professional gambler, wasn't he? In the end, wow! You know? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, unbelievable. Brilliant. Yeah, you footballers, mate. You can never predict what you're going to do. Love it, guys. Scotty, how many goals you scored in the game? Uh, three as well. Yeah, hat trick. Yeah, a couple of hat tricks uh, over Brilliant. over my career. Yeah, no more than that. So Lloyd beats us. Well done, Lloyd. Well done. <laughs> Lloyd's four <laughs> takes the cake. <laughs> Brilliant, lads. And uh, I want to finish off with a, a new thing that we're bringing in on the show because we've had plenty of people that listen week in, week out. They want to get their voices heard. They want to send in their questions. So we opened it up on our socials yesterday. And I'm going to quick fire a few to you. The first one is for Scotty, and it's from Noah Mort. He's asked, what should Daniel Arzani do after this loan spell in Belgium? Daniel Arzani, so much hype around him at a young age, has fizzled out since the ACL injury. He is on loan in Belgium, but what's next for him, do you think? It's a tough call, isn't it? You know, I, I thought after the last loan spell before this one, it was probably the right time to come back and reset, um, come back to, to Melbourne City um, and, and have a year of just playing out-and-out football, particularly when... World Cup so close. I think yeah. I think he needs games football. We've got to remember as well. You know, it was really unfortunate for Daniel. I was there that night when he when he done his cruciate uh, for Celtic on his you know more or less his debut away at Dundee, um, and it looked innocuous. But it's been a long road back for him. He, he's had loan spell after loan spell. It, it can't be good for your your, your mentality. Um, yeah. You know, you know, going from one club to another, not knowing actually where you belong because you're a part of the city group. You're not actually part of a a proper football club. He's probably not even trained at, at Man City. You know, he's lucky if he's trained there a handful of times throughout, yeah. you know, his whole time being there. So I think he needs to be in a place where he feels wanted and, and feels, you know, like it's his home again. Uh, and I think he sh- I think he should come home and, and, and play football again personally and, and then build and grow. And if he can get in that World Cup squad, who knows from there? Yeah. 
Yeah, massive. Well, there you go, Noah. Great question. Thank you for that one. And no, no one better to ask than former Socceroos, Scotty Mack. We're going to go now to Lloydie with the next one from Oscar. Oscar Mail has asked, who would you rather take in your team at the moment, Harry Kane or Romelu Lukaku? Kane. Yeah, Kane. Wow. Yeah, yeah, still Kane. Like I said, Lukaku's, I mean, Lukaku's more of a me, like a, a real number, he is a number nine, like that typical real hold-up play. But when you want someone who's going to actually finish, finish the dinner, man. As I say, food in the box, man. There's Kane. Kane finishes food in the box, man. Serious. So he's, he's clinical. I'll put Kane ahead of Lukaku. Wow, huge call. I think you. you I mean, Bridgie, I know your answer. You are nodding. Scotty has another striker. You guys seem all in agreement in that one. Harry Kane over Lukaku. Mm, no, not for me. I'd take Lukaku oh. as that modern yeah. day modern day striker of what he gives you that platform. Um, I think that they're very few and far between. I think Harry now... Tell Luka- put Lukaku's Premier League goals on the table and put Harry Kane's on the table. Yeah, I know. Stats on the table. Harry Kane That's all day long. Absolutely. Where's Harry Kane's Serie A goals, mate? Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not answering that. Because <laughs> yeah, it's a lesser league, isn't it? So... <laughs> I just, I just, here we go. I know where I Scott just, is coming. Just... Yeah, I know where you're coming from, Scotty. When you say an all round number nine, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I said before, Lukaku's a all round number nine. But for me, I'm talking about someone who's going to actually finish the goals. Where Kane is a better finisher than Lukaku. Where Lukaku will need three or four chances, where Kane will do it in two, one or two. That's, that's where my perspective in regards to better finisher. All round player, maybe Lukaku, maybe better hold up the ball, yes, because he's got that physical presence. But for finishing, Kane for me. Yeah, great, great question. Top question, that one. Last one, Bridget, I won't leave you out. This one's from Sam Jones, wants to know, Man United have moved into the top four now and they've actually got a game in hand on West Ham who's underneath them and he wants to know, do you see Man United playing Champions League football next season? I hope not, Sam. I'm sorry to say that, but I hope <laughs> not because it could be Tottenham Hotspur. Um, realistically, you know, they're in there. 22 games played at the moment, 38 points it is. West Ham have got a game ahead and 20, what, 23 games gone there in yeah. fifth. Yeah. I, ju- I just see Tottenham with the games in hand. I just think there's something about it that can um, give them the opportunity. However, I've got to say, I do like what um, Ralph has been doing. Um, and I-, I can see them definitely having a much better remainder of the season um, going forward. So I think that four, four spot is up for grabs for, I'm going to say, four teams potentially. Um, and I hope it is Tottenham, Sam. And I hope for you it is Man United. So there you go. <laughs> it's going to be a huge finish to the season. I know Man United played Chelsea in the second last week. There are a few huge fixtures there right at the end of the Premier League season. As always, let's see if they can snag their top four spot. Guys, it's been awesome to catch up with you. It's great to have strikers on the podcast. It's always a little bit more fun. Goalkeepers just, you know, we would have been sitting here. You know what we would have done? We would have been sitting here talking about Newcastle's goal and the fact that that was an obstruction on the goalkeeper's view. That was my highlight show on Sunday, Bridgie. Thomas Sorensen was saying that shouldn't have been a goal for Newcastle because the goalkeeper was obstructed by that's all goalkeepers do complain scotty no 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 there'd be more than that you just have mark swartz telling you for a full hour that he was right about ranieri that's all you would have heard (laughs) oh god still one of my favorite moments on this podcast is when i asked them why all goalkeepers are a little bit screw loose up here and and bridgie loved that one absolutely gave it to him uh great to have the strikers union on today thanks lloyd for joining us scotty bridgie i'm sure i'll see you soon in the studio gentlemen it's been awesome and to everyone listening at home make sure you check in with the optus sport app for everything you could ever want it is a break from the premier league but the football doesn't stop on optus sport so check in there and we'll see you next week for some more gagging pod
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.